Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. My name is Jack Murley, and this week, alongside co-host and professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, we look at the big changes that are allegedly coming to NXT and what that could mean for the yellow and black brand. We cast an eye over the latest releases from NXT, look at a reset for Finn Balor on SmackDown, and count down to the launch of AEW Dynamite. We look at whether Chris Jericho belongs on wrestling's Mount Rushmore, we fantasy book the shoulda, woulda, couldas of wrestling missed opportunities and send something back to developmental from everyday life and give something a big old push as well. As always, this is a podcast by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. We'd love for you to get involved. You can tweet either of us at Charlie underscore Beckett at Jack underscore Murley. You can email earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. And as always, word of mouth is the best advertising for this podcast. Tell a friend, share the love on social media and make sure you rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your pods from. And with all of that said, let's crack on with the show. I have decided I'm going to try really hard to do a rational response to this, okay? So, I'm going to put my sports head on because it's the head I wear most. It's the head that makes the most sense to me. I'm going to look purely at, as if WWE is a major sports team and whatever, let's use rugby as an example because it's my sport. NXT is developmental, is their academy system. The major job for an academy system is to produce players to play for the first team. In this case, to produce wrestlers to wrestle for WWE. Half that is creating great players, great wrestlers. The other half is creating great players, great wrestlers who are going to play or wrestle in your team or company style. Okay? So, from that very, very narrow-minded point of view, I can see why maybe Vince McMahon is going, NXT is not doing the job I wanted to do. But if your academy is churning out world-class, and I mean some of the best in the world players at your sport, in this case wrestling, but they just happen to play a little bit of a different style to your first team, your company, change your goddamn style. Change how you play. Because, and in this case, change what your wrestling production looks like because all you're doing is sending unbelievable talent who people want to watch to your competitors who are going to have to compete against. And there is a reason that NXT has been my favourite brand and the only one I'll watch religiously week in, week out. It's because it's the one I enjoy the most. And now more and more of the wrestlers I enjoy watching are going to end up at AEW, going to end up in Ring of Honor, going to end up in these other places, going to end up in Impact Wrestling. And I'm going to end up watching that because I do not enjoy watching huge men who can't go wrestle because it's not fun. Especially when I, maybe when I was 10, 11, 12, that's what I enjoyed because I had no alternative. That was all I knew. But now I know there is better wrestling out there. I know there is these smaller guys who work at a rate and work in a style that is so much more fun to watch. So it's just, it seems so narrow-minded to me. And it seems like for some reason, this man has decided he wants to go back to the 1980s style of wrestling where it's just huge men not really working a particularly enjoyable style to watch. Let's play devil's advocate a little bit here. And then we'll come on to the human cost of this. And then we'll come on to the repercussions of what it means for the rest of the business and touch on more of what you're saying there. But WWE did just fine with OVW and FCW 
uh, back in the day, producing those big men's like John Cena and Batista, and to a lesser degree, because he was a freak athlete, Brock Lesnar. You can see why Vince would go and look at NXT and say, compared to the structure we had before in bringing those people through, it hasn't delivered me a Cena. It hasn't delivered me a Batista. I know I can do that based on what I've done in the past. So why aren't you doing it? And given I've given you two, three years of doing it this way, you can see why Vince would go, do you know what? Let's change back. If, if you're that billionaire in Titan Towers, you can't fault his logic, even if you don't agree with it. True, but are you telling me that if you present them correctly on the main roster, you couldn't have as big a stars, not physically, but in the world of wrestling, out of the likes of Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Karrion Cross, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Apollo Crews, even to an extent. Are you telling me? Are you telling me they couldn't? And also, that's the men. You look at the women who have come out of NXT, and it's absolutely living with stars. Absolutely. You've got your four horsewomen, obviously, but then Paige came out of NXT as well. So the five women who have revolutionised wrestling, really, across the board, have come out of NXT. And then there is a whole list of your whole mid-card, undercard of women wrestlers pretty much came through NXT. So, yeah, it's maybe not doing it on the men's side for what Vince wants, but it could easily create world-class superstars if they presented them right. Like, that's what I don't get. He wants guys who look like and are like John Cena, let's say, for size, for Batista. You've got your huge animal beast in Carrion Cross, and you bring him up and you do that to him with Jeff Hardy. Like, I, I, it, it's so, you telling me Keith Lee couldn't be your world champion if you presented him right? you telling me the, what, the fans wouldn't accept that? So, yes, they might not give you the people who aesthetically look like you want, Vince, but they've given you, it's given you people who will be stars, who people will buy merch of, and people will watch them wrestle, and people will come to your shows and buy your pay-per-views. If you present them right, that is then your choice to not present them in the correct manner. So let's ask another question. Are you less likely to watch SmackDown because of what NXT has done? And I, I tell you why I ask that. You've often said there's only so much wrestling you can watch in the day, right? Maybe you'll start migrating over to AEW for your two-hour fix because that's giving you a more NXT-like product. And maybe you'll sort of migrate away from SmackDown a little bit. I mean, is that is that the knock-on impact of this? If you take away the hardcore fans' NXT that they love, the gateway that gets them to SmackDown regularly or Raw regularly might go as well. Yeah, so I haven't watched a full episode of Raw in I don't know when. I literally sure. scroll, on, I scroll on WWE.com to find out what's happening. Like, I know that Randy Orton RKO'd Matt Riddle last night. That's about all I know from Raw last night. Raw does not have my interest. I will keep watching SmackDown for as long as Roman Reigns is doing Roman Reigns things because I just I still think it's the best thing in wrestling. And I'm very intrigued in the, I think, Edge and Seth Rollins are going to have a great match of feud. Big E being Mr. Money in the Bank keeps me in the loop there. I think that is, I think the way they're handling him is excellent. And I will be all aboard the Big E world title run. Absolutely. So I'll keep watching SmackDown, I think, but not because of... It's such a great wrestling show, per se, just because it's got a few great storylines in. I'll only watch them. There are bits of SmackDown I'm not watching, but I'm just really intrigued in almost all the wrong ways to see what NXT starts to look like over the next weeks, months, and year. And I feel like TakeOver 35 might be the last of the great takeovers we get of these shows that just steal steal the show every weekend. They are, they are the pinnacle of wrestling. I feel like... 
Will we get takeovers, Charlie? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. Will we get takeovers? Yeah. Will we even get a show weekly? Like, also, you can't tell me having a show that's full of developmental guys. There has to be a place for. They have to wrestle somewhere. If you've got an hour or two hour show, people aren't going to watch that for two hours in USA. My worry as well is for NXT UK because NXT UK was a little brother of NXT. And if NXT is changing its business model and changing the way it goes about things, you have to think there'll be changes potentially coming to NXT UK as well. Um, it, it has lots of knock-on repercussions, not least the human cost for, for Bobby Fish, Jake Atlas, Mercedes Martinez, Bronson Reed. More cuts by WWE. I mean, the amount of talent they have let go, every one of whom has a career and a family to support or a life to lead, it is an extraordinary number. It is nice that you, uh, Kenny McIntosh, retweeted. I can't remember who exactly tweeted uh, it first. The list of everyone who's been released by WWE in 2020 and 2021. And it's if you want to go and see it, go look on Kenny's Twitter. It's beyond shocking. And I saw um, Sean Ross Sapp replied to it saying, only 18% of them are back in full-time employment in wrestling. 18%. Like, And someone, someone was saying, oh, it's part of the business. This happens. And uh, I think it was SRS at the end. No one forced WWE to hoard all the talent in the world. Like, we were all getting excited three or four years ago when they were signing all this great talent, and this is the back end of it. They have too much. They've taken, they decided they wanted to hoard the talent so other people couldn't have it. They then did nothing with it, have then cut them, and these men and women are now, they haven't got jobs. And like you say, they've got families to feed, they've got mortgages to pay, and it, it just seems like there is no rhyme or reason to it. You go back to last week, it sounds like Bray Wyatt was getting ready to return last night's Raw. Bobby Fish wrestled on last week's NXT. Last week he wrestled. Bronson uh, Reed was a champ. Bronson Reed was champ three weeks ago. The Diamond Mine have just got going. There's so much that just, there is no rhyme or reason, it seems. People just, it seems WWE just decide they're not, they don't fancy that person anymore, and then they're just gone. So let's talk about goodwill towards WWE. Because I was having this conversation with one of our listeners, Ryan, earlier in the week on social media. And Ryan was saying, how much in the grand scheme of things does this impact WWE when you have got your massive television deals, you've got Peacock, you've got all the infrastructure that you could possibly want, you are the brand leader. And yet it seems week in, week out, there are things happening that challenge the goodwill of wrestling fans towards WWE. Now, can WWE just ride this out and say, look, with the greatest of respect to Jake Atlas, people will watch us regardless of if he's here or not. And we can cut Bray Wyatt because we know we've got these TV deals. At what point does the goodwill begin to affect WWE's business? I think it's sort of death by a thousand cuts because each one isn't going to turn people away, but as in a huge number of people away. There's not one that's going to stop the masses watching, but each one is going to stop a few more people. And yeah, WWE probably are. They are never going to go out of business. They're never going to struggle. But the first time in a long time, there is a viable other option that isn't a low-budget indie promotion. And they're just... AW, all they have to do is not be awful. Like, just not be awful to people. Not not treat people like a piece of meat. And they're going to have more goodwill than WWE right now. Like... The goodwill of just like the humanity side of it is at a real low at the moment. In the middle of this pandemic where people are struggling anyway, WWE are just cutting people left, right and centre with no regard for their livelihood and well-being. I'm sure WWE, if we were balancing it out, would say we paid them during the pandemic, we gave them visibility and airtime and they're more visible 
coming out of the pandemic than they were had they not worked for us. That's probably what they would say. We don't know because we haven't heard from anyone from WWE come out and give an interview on why these things are happening. Um, I, I think as well, it's a dangerous thing to get complacent. I was thinking the other day, I bet MySpace never really saw a threat from Facebook coming through. And I bet Yahoo was pretty comfortable until Google began to start up. And it is very, very quick how these things can happen. Um, it feels like a bit of a negative note to start the pod on this week. So let's have a celebration. If this is the end of NXT as we know it, what amazing, amazing moments we have had from NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn and the Bailey sasha Banks match to Mara Ronaldo smashing it up on commentary to some of the best tag team singles women's wrestling, hardcore wrestling, the best product, arguably, in wrestling for, for years and years in a row. It, it it treated us well when it was allowed to go. TakeOver New Orleans, the night before WrestleMania 33, is, for me, as close as you will get to a perfect wrestling show. I could, at any point in my day, sit down and watch that start to finish, bell to bell, and it will improve my day, no matter what is happening. So it's just been incredible. You think about some of the, you talk about great feuds. Gargano and Champa's the best feud. Shire, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, I think I've ever watched. It's just incredible. It's about tag team wrestling. Those matches between DIY, The Revival and Authors of Pain. That triple threat match where DIY and uh, The Revival go half and half and do each other's finishes on The Authors of Pain to try and get rid of them. I genuinely goosebumps watching that. Unbelievable. NXT saved women's wrestling in WWE. Without NXT, we, I think we'd still be struggling with bra and panties matches. The women had the chance to save women's wrestling themselves. It gave them that platform. It's been my favourite show for a long, long time. Takeovers always deliver. If it is the end of it, like you say, we've been blessed for, what, the last five, six years to have such a great, great, great show to watch. And it has given us some huge main roster stars. People forget, all three of the Shield came out of NXT. Like Seth Rollins was the first NXT champion. Big E is NXT. Finn Balor seems to be being presented the correct way again. He's NXT. I know they found their starts elsewhere in the Indies and stuff, but this is where they got their footing in WWE. So it'd be really interesting. I'm interested to see what it means for people like Samoa Joe, who's just gone back down to NXT, and what it means for the likes of William Regal. Is he going to need a GM out? Very intriguing to see what it's going to look like. And we might be sat here at six months being like, oh, actually, it's doing its job really well, and it's chained to the bear. But I just can't see it. I hope we're wrong. We're not uh, snobby on this and we have our eyes wide open. We hope we're wrong. We hope it continues to be a great product. We hope it gives lots of people places to work. But it does seem a shame that the NXT that so many hardcore fans like us knew and loved uh, is going another way. Uh, we're going to be fantasy booking or at least talking about missed opportunities after the break. That's coming up. Something's going to earn the push and something's going back to developmental as well. But Charlie, you mentioned uh, Finn Balor and other people. We saw a bit of a reset on SmackDown. I don't know whether they listen in WWE creative meetings, but after we bemoaned what looked like a Baron Corbin Finn Balor feud taking us all the way to SummerSlam, we get Finn sort of squashing Baron, calling out Cena, calling out Reigns, and acknowledging that he needs to be something grittier. I liked the reset for Finn Balor on SmackDown this week. I really enjoyed it as well. And like you say, I'm glad they just kind of got rid of the Baron Corbin feud. I didn't want to see Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin at, uh, at SummerSlam. It seems that whoever wins that SummerSlam match that you would presume would be Roman, you'd be surprised mm -hmm. it wasn't. It seems he rolls straight into Finn after, which is a feud I'm all for. I'm happy to get behind that. Those two will, those will have great matches. And Finn's great on the mic and a grittier sort of tweener Finn. 
not your fresh cut baby face smiling for the masses Finn that's that's the best version of Finn so I'd be really keen for that that'd be really exciting I think I do think SummerSlam is going to be a great show I do I think they always put on a good spectacle don't they the two main matches on SmackDown are matches I'm really looking forward to Edge and Seth Rollins and uh, Roman versus Cena a match I'm really really looking forward to do you want to see the demon at some point Finn Balor will will look you would think to bring that out of the locker and I don't know if I've lost my love of the demon or just supernatural wrestling in general but I was thinking do you know what I don't want to see is is Roman Reigns backing down to a demon character I'd rather Balor just played it straight yeah I agree I think the only way I want to see the demon is if they actually treat it properly and like we, we spoke about this on our old show, on our old incarnation of this. The problem the demon it was in WWE, there was never talk of the cost of what become the demon meant for Balor. So he just didn't lose when he became the demon. So anyone sensible would be like, why doesn't he Why doesn't he become the demon every time? Why does he do that yes. every match? So you need to give some of the lore around the demon. And the way it makes sense to me is you have to say that every time Finn dips into whatever it takes to become the demon, it takes his soul, it takes it out of him. And there's a long-term story there about him fighting in a conflict of whether he goes, whether he lets the demon take some of that from him and it goes to the dark side or whatever, phrase however you want, to get the win. But it used to be that it's like he put some face paint on and then, oh, look, he won. So if they were going to do it and going to lean into the demon, then they need to re- almost repackage the law around it. And it's been two or three years since we've seen it. So you could, there'd be people who hadn't seen it before. People wouldn't know. So you could definitely do it. But I don't, I hadn't even crossed my mind, mate. I hadn't even thought about that. So I think because of that, no, I probably don't want to see it. I don't need to see it. If you do, put the law back around it and explain to people why he doesn't do it every time and what, what it means for him and why he becomes it and give me some background to it. And I think, wouldn't it be something if in pro sports, your line of work, that um, your coach said, Charlie, we've got, a, we've got a big match next week, top of the table, first versus second. And you go, don't worry, coach. I'm bringing the demon out and they'll go, well, why didn't you bring the demon out for last week's match and the week before? And, you know, it doesn't make sense unless someone makes it make sense, I think. Um, but again, hate to go back to NXT. He's another NXT product. And so Sasha Banks. And it's great to see her back confident and her and Bianca Belair, which I think we're going to get again at SummerSlam. I am uh, I am all in on that. I think that's going to be great. Ladies, run that one back for me. Run yeah. that again. Let's see that again because that was one of the best best matches of the weekend at WrestleMania. So run that back. Give me it again. It's a stacked show. It really is. And while COVID cases are rising in the USA, they seem to be confident WWE that they won't need to be getting the Thunderdome out of retirement and that we'll be seeing that. In... What a week not. it would be for you. I mean, I don't think you'd be a wrestling fan if they changed NXT and brought back the Thunderdome. That would almost be it for you. You'd sort of turn off. It'd be it'd be a testing time for me. If they got rid of fans again and NXT went, that would be that would be testing to say the least. Well, let's talk about AEW because we were all looking forward to Cody Rhodes against Malachi Black in the main event. I don't think any of us saw the way it was going to go and the way it was booked. Cody Rhodes essentially, after flying through a table, getting in a couple of shots, was squashed by Malachi Black and pinned in the most dominant way possible. What did you think of that? He did the one foot pin. Yeah. The one foot pin. That is, that is normally only afforded to absolute giants. I remember when the great Carly did that to Undertaker. I was like 10. I was the angriest man in the world. What did I think of it? Uh, I was shocked. And I think being shocked is good a lot of the time wrestling. Because I think, especially, uh, we, we did a podcast about it. We like to think we know what's going to happen, don't we? So I think it's nice to be shocked. Um, we spoke about it. I thought it was... The 
poorest episode of Dynamite for a while. Yep. Across the board, it wasn't as exciting. It just wasn't as great. It's a weird one because I love the shock factor and I love how they're presenting one of my favorite wrestlers. I love it. Like his entrance was unbelievable, wasn't it? Like he's a superstar there now, and then he's beaten one of the one of the biggest stars there in three minutes with a one foot pin. So they're presenting him as a superstar. But I think there was a lot more in that feud. There was a lot more to run there. They could have. I think we spoke off air again. I think we won't see Cody for a while. I think he'll come back as a heel because he has to because of the um, response he's getting from crowds. We yeah. don't really get why he's getting them, but the crowds do not like him. So almost lean into him when he comes back, being a bit of a self-entitled smart-ass who's like, this is my company. And have him put himself in positions that he shouldn't be. Lean into that because, you know what, if he was like that, he could because it is his company. So play that character. Have him just put himself in title matches. Be like, why wouldn't I? And, and play that. There's, there's, there is a fun heel character to play with there, I think. You've got the storyline there straight away because Cody, after losing that world title match to, to Chris Jericho via MJF a couple of years ago, said, I'm not going to challenge for the world title again. And he's been good to his word. If you want to heal Cody Rhodes, you have him come back and you have him say, no, I'm, I'm going back on my word. I will have that title. Thank you very much. I also think what's fascinating, if the rumor and innuendo is to be believed, is that AEW is is very good at writing folks out to give them time with their family. So Cody's obviously a new dad. We saw Adam Page taken out of the title picture by the looks of it. He's got a child on the way as well. We saw John Moxley get some time off as well. Um, it, it, it seems that sometimes we as wrestling fans forget that sometimes why folks leave storylines is because they got kids and real lives on the line. You know, they got stuff going on and AEW seems very good at adapting to that. Yeah, these wrestlers do have lives. We do yeah. forget, don't They're we? They're not just um, our toys. No, if they were, we'd play with them differently. We'd have them doing different <laughs> things. I wouldn't be. Yeah, it adds, you know what? It's good. I liked it earlier. I think more eyes will come on AEW in the next few weeks and months. So the pressure's there. They have to deliver now. They have to deliver because people will only give something that isn't WWE one chance. If you go and watch the episode of Dynamite and it's not very good, you're going to go back to what you know. So I think if I was AEW, I'd be excited. But pressure's on week to week. You've got to deliver good shows. Well, and, and shows plural, as you quite rightly say, because this coming Friday, AEW debuts Rampage. So we'll have additional programming to, to get some of their roster on. And I think that can only be a good thing for AEW, because at the moment, that roster is so, so stacked. You know, you're not able to feature Jungle Boy. You're not able to feature um, some of Sammy Guevara, really. When was the last time he was properly on television? Having that extra show is only going to help them, I would think. And I was surprised. I'll tell you what did surprise me. No real CM Punk teasers on Dynamite this week. There, Although if you read some of what people are saying, Kenny Omega wearing that Cookie Monster top, CM Cookie Monster, there was some suggestion yeah. of that, but very subtle. Yeah, but maybe they've decided just to dial it down a little bit so people do start to think, oh, is he coming? Because if you keep doing it as obvious they are, it's almost not surprising to them that they will start advertising that he's coming, mightn't they? So maybe they just try to dial it down a little bit. So there's, there's a little bit of shock factor when he turns up in Chicago. I, I think you have to hammer it on Dynamite this week and on Rampage and next week. If not directly saying he's coming, you need to build that hype because as you say you need to get people checking out AEW when the first dance uh, episode of rampage comes to chicago can we just have a word for mjf who can just do it all i love him on guest commentary i just i cannot get enough of mjf he's great isn't he like you say he does it all he's great on commentary he's my favorite person to follow on twitter he just is horrible isn't he and 
I don't know. Is he actually just a horrible person in real life? Is this very easy for him because he's awful? I hope not. I hope he's very nice. But he just does not care what being an old school heel is about. He doesn't care that it means everyone hates you. He he dials into it, turns it to 100. And we haven't seen that in wrestling for a long, long time. So I'm all for him. And I'm quite enjoying the labours of Jericho. It's a nice idea. It's a, it's It's something new, isn't it? And does it surprise you that 50-whatever Jericho is still coming up with new ideas that we haven't seen before? Is is Chris Jericho the greatest creative mind as a wrestler of this generation? You think of the matches he's been involved in, what he's made up, and the things he's done, and more importantly, the way he's reinvented himself over and over again. Can you think of anyone who's freshened their act up that often? That is such a good question. I was, I was talking to someone this week. I'll, I'll, I'll think about that, and I'll throw this back at you as well. Is Chris Jericho on the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling? Now, now my opinion is he's in the top three of everything or top, or top five of everything. He's a top five talker. He's a top five creative mind. He's a top five in-ring talent. Is he at the top of any of those lists? I would argue not. And therefore he can't go on to Mount Rushmore. Um, I'll let you ponder that. Is Chris Jericho the best creative mind of the past few years of this generation? I can't see anyone who's done it better. I can't see anyone who's had a gimmick they've killed off and then reinvented something else and taken chances. I would need a very good argument from someone to say it's not Y2J. Yeah, like you say, he's probably the best all-rounder, but not the best at a specific thing. So it's an interesting one, but it's it's the way he reinvents himself and it's the way he, he has this incredible knack of knowing when to do it. Whenever he changes his gimmick, he always leaves us thinking, I would have liked to see more of that. I would have liked to see more of the list of Jericho. I would have liked to see more of the Painmaker. I would have liked to see more of Le Champion. But he never, ever, ever goes stale. It's an incredible talent. I don't know how he does it. He, he must just have one of those innate things within him where he just knows because he turned babyface at just the right time in AEW. He got his... I mean, he never had a faction before the inner circle, and that carried and to a degree continues to carry AEW programming. And by the way, he's had to do it in a pandemic. I mean, the what was it? The um, Mimosa Mayhem matches or something like that. What nonsense. How stupid. But in a pandemic where we all wanted some escapism, Chris Jericho gave it to us and it elevated Orange Cassidy in the process. The most, and this isn't a word, but I'm going to say it, memeable <laughs> moment of the last five years of wrestling was an off-the-cuff Chris Jericho moment with a little bit of the bubbly. Like, I still see that. I still see that. Comes up on Twitter all the time for people who don't like wrestling. They don't know what it's from. Like, he's just part of popular culture. And like, you listen to him on talk as Jericho's also, yeah, unbelievable podcast host. Like, he's got a podcast that is amazing. You listen to him on that, on his, he does an episode, did an episode about a little bit of the bubbly. And you, you talk about it, and he said, just, it came to him in the moment. He's like, I can't believe how big it's gone, but it just happened. So, he's, He's incredible, and I think only now really is he starting to get the credit he deserves from us fans, as we see. One, at 52, I think he is, he still goes the way he does in the ring. He still puts yeah. on great matches. But more importantly, his creative mind and what he's doing. Like, do you forget, he, Money in the Bank was his idea. That's his, that's his Money in the Bank. Festival of Friendship was all him, pretty much. One of the greatest segments of the last 10, 20 years. One of the best turns, because we all... We all knew that term was coming. We all knew it was coming, but none of us saw when it was coming. Like, imagine imagine having something that the whole world knows you're going to do, 
and that you all know that you're going to do it before WrestleMania because you have to, because that has won the matches. And it being looking back, it was the Festival of Friendship. Of course he was going to turn on him at that. Of course he was. But I had no idea that was coming then. I remember watching it and being so shocked. And the way it was just all of it, just all of it. I, I didn't mean for this to become a Chris Jericho appreciation podcast, but here we are. Okay, before we get on to part two, let me just jump in here to remind you that this is a podcast by wrestling fans for wrestling fans, and the best way for us to keep making this is for you to show a bit of support and tell a mate about us. Do it on social, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter, or tell a colleague who loves wrestling what we do here. You can get in touch at Charlie underscore Beckett or at Jack underscore Murley on Twitter. You can email earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. And with all of that said, let's get back to the show and do some fantasy booking. I've got something a little bit different, I think. So there's obviously there's all the obvious ones. There's the invasion angle and there's Nexus and stuff like that. And I could be here for hours rebooking them for you. But I want to do something a little bit different. But I had a real good think. And I think one of the things I wanted to see so much last year is that they had all the pieces to do but never give us was I think WWE missed a huge opportunity with how they booked their version of the Bullet Club. And I'm, I'm not going to give you step-by-step details of how I would have done it because it would have been long. It wouldn't have been a short-term thing, but I'm just going to give you an, an overview of what I think WWE's Bullet Club could and maybe should have been because you listen to the sort of things they could have done, and it's just like, why why was that not part of your programming? So my thought is you had signed WWE in a fairly short amount of time, AJ Styles, a former leader of Bullet Club in New Japan, Finn Balor, a former leader of Bullet Club in New Japan. And you had Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, who were the main tag team in Bullet Club in New Japan. And they leaned into it a little bit, calling the club, giving the two suite and all this. And we got one tease, didn't we, backstage at a SummerSlam. So what I would have done was, I always had them as a four-man club. Four-man faction, keep them all together, and it would have been happy as Larry. And I would have done a classic, hold all the gold. The four of them would have had it all. So AJ would have been WWE champion, Finn would have been IC champion and the Good Brothers would have been the tag team champions. But there would not have been a definite leader. AJ would not have been the leader per se. Just because he was WWE champion, he wouldn't have been the leader. Him and Finn would have both been, not joint leaders, but they would have been like, we don't need a leader. We are, we're Bullet Club, this is how we do things. So, and that is, that, that's where the issue would have started to arise because Finn and AJ are both used to being the leader back in the old incarnation of this odd Bullet Club. And they just start to clash. So they're they're head of a heel stable. The club are just running rampant. So there just start to be a few clashes. And just distrust would begin to form between the two of them. And eventually, somehow, they were both... One that would accidentally cost... the other. So AJ would accidentally cost Finn his IC title. And later the same night or later that month or whatever, Finn would accidentally, in inverted commas, cost AJ his WWE title... And that was where your feud would start. And I'd take the belts off them because this feud of AJ versus Finn can run for a good while alongside your major title feuds. This doesn't need doesn't need the titles. You can send them elsewhere. This is a huge story for you along. So this is your semi-main story for the summer. While they're feuding, Gallows and Anderson are really stuck in the middle. They haven't chosen a side. They're watching their two mates fight. They don't really want to do so. They're just stuck in the middle. And as the feud goes, I wanted long-term booking over a few months, and eventually Finn Balor would win. And Finn Balor would become your leader of the WWE club. And you'd move AJ Styles across to this happening on Raw, you'd move him to SmackDown and you'd get him out of there then so he doesn't have to deal with it. So you've got Finn Balor as your now leader. The um you'd have Gallows and Anderson fall under him. 
they'd come out of being stuck in the middle and they would fall under him. And then the exciting bit for me is, at this point, you've only got three. So what the club would need to recruit some new members, wouldn't they, Jack? Mm-hmm. So tell me, I'm going to give you a list of names that were just the first 10 or so that came off the top of my head. Tell me you would not want to see any of these people involved in the club, okay? Okay, yep. Neville, Rusev, Cesaro, Page, Emma, Bobby Roode, Apollo Crews, Tommaso Ciampa, Sasha Banks, and Asuka. Yeah, I mean, there, there are two straight away that jump out. Pack is the first, Neville, yeah. as, as he was then, because, I mean, he just would fit it down to a T. Yeah. And you can't tell me that Champa wouldn't add something very, very different to the club. Yeah. Yes, yes. And the pieces were all there. Yeah, so that, they were all there at the time of the company. So you have all them. And then just also the, the sort of feud you could have with other facts. You've got all your individual feuds you can have, because that's a beautiful thing with the, with the club. The feuds, the individual feuds can still happen because there's so many of them. They're all having their feuds as they go. But imagine the top three of the club feuding with the Shield. Imagine four of them feuding with the Wyatt family. Imagine four of them feuding with Undisputed Era. Imagine you could even do an invasion angle of NXT where the whole club invades NXT. Like there were just, I just think there were so many. War games, mate. War games. That's what I've written down. It leads to war games. Like I just missed that on my notes. Um, there's just seem to be so many possibilities and they could have done so much and I think we could still be you look how well and how long Bullet Club has run in New Japan they're still going I just think I don't know why WWE didn't pull the trigger on their own version of it and it's not because they were too shameful to just rip it off they had the club they had the t-shirts they were doing that so go full, go. there's a saying I love you can't be half pregnant I feel like WWE were half pregnant with the club they kind of let into it a little bit and then didn't pull the trigger. Pull it all the way. I just think there was so much they could have done there and just they dropped the ball. Yeah, th- I mean, that is amazing. And, you know, I'm always thinking as well, okay, Mustache Mountain, you could have got them into the few. If you'd have established the club as the Billy Big Boys of, of WWE in the way you're saying there, you're, you're wow. So many, po- you were right. You messaged me saying, I think you're going to like this. It's a million dollar you're just, idea. You're just, you're just going to be like, imagine Pete Dunne in it as well. Yeah, Pete Dunne would just fit. There's so they have so many wrestlers whose characters, even without a little bit of tweaking, just their way out would have fitted what Bullet Club is so well. So I'm going to give you mine this week, and we'll do some more next week. Uh, but let's go through ones that have come in from yourselves, folks. Uh, by the way, uh, at Charlie underscore Beckett is him. As you know, I'm at Jack underscore Merley, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Uh, Jonathan, first time messenger. Thank you, Jonathan, says I'm slightly older. So here's mine. Imagine if in the Monday Night Wars, when DX invaded Nitro in April 1998, imagine if instead of not letting DX in, Eric Bischoff had opened the doors to the arena. All the pieces were there. Talk about a missed opportunity. Oh, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if DX would have known what to do. That would have been absolute carnage. I mean, he could never have done it because of how much he wouldn't have known what was going to happen. But, oh, God, imagine. Uh, This is from Emma, who says, it's a shame that after the square off between Sasha Banks and Trish Stratus at the first Women's Royal Rumble, we didn't get Banks versus Stratus at WrestleMania. What a match that would have been can't disagree with that at all i think that would have been tremendous and this is daniel 
who says, imagine if when the Hardys came back to WWE, they dropped down to NXT and got themselves involved in the rivalries between DIY, The Revival, and the Authors of Pain. So they would be veterans who would add credibility and elevate themselves. Both those, I think it was a shame we never saw Trish in a one-on-one feud again when she came back. But yeah, get the Hardys involved in that. A little bit of, a little bit of veteran experience in that, in those feuds, could have done a lot. Those, those feuds were as close, I think, as the perfect tag team wrestling gets but i don't think throwing the hardies in would have made it any worse well you could have taken them in different directions couldn't you you could have wrapped up one and then the hardies appear the next night and boom you're off to the races and we got trish against charlotte at that summer slam but that to me seemed very but it seemed very quick it sort of seemed like a three four week build to me for that one and i think it was all there with sasha i'm going to give you my one this is cheating because technically it could still happen but right. I'm so confident it won't happen that I'm going to include it as part of this and more missed opportunity booking next week. So this is based on the proviso that Vince McMahon doesn't hear this and doesn't think this is money. My missed opportunity booking is Roman Reigns versus Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch comes back to SmackDown the night after SummerSlam and says, I am the man on SmackDown and no one else can touch me. I hear someone else has been talking about how they are the face of this show. Roman Reigns, I am calling you out. Now, I know I'm smaller than you, Roman. I know that in a match you would beat me, but I don't want a match. I want a fight because I am the last kicker. I am the man and I will take you down. And then Paul Heyman comes out with no music and sort of just looking at her quizzically. What are you on about? What are you talking about? But we build to a Roman Reigns versus Becky Lynch fight. You know how they built Austin versus Vince back in the day on Raw? It was, it was so implausible. It couldn't happen. Roman takes a fight. People are trying to talk Becky out of it. Roman saying, Becky, look at what I did to your husband. Just look at what I can do to you. But Becky doesn't back down. And we finally, after four weeks, get to this fight no one thought they would see. Roman Reigns versus Becky Lynch. And Roman comes out first. He's standing in the ring. And Becky Lynch is marching towards a ring. And we're finally going to get it. And then, boom, from behind, Tamina attacks Becky Lynch to join the bloodline. And now we've got a feud for Becky against Tamina. And if you don't want to use Becky to elevate Tamina, take Tamina out, put Ronda Rousey in, and you've got that feud reestablished. All the pieces are there. It'll never happen, but I'd love to see it. That's such an injury. I was all, all for it until the, the, the name Tamina came in. My, I life, know, is not, I know. my <laughs> life is not better when I see Tamina wrestle. I can't say that improves it. Um, okay, so take Tamina out and put Ronda Rousey in. I, oh, I, I'm all for having Ronda Becky again. I'm not sure that's how they'll ever get to. I'm just, it's such, mixed gender wrestling is such an interesting one, isn't it? Because it just shouldn't work because genetically in a fight, just because of how strong they are and genetics and stuff, men should beat up women. That Sorry, that sounds awful. If they were to have a fight, that is what would happen, isn't it? Men absolutely shouldn't beat up women. Just, just want to go on record with that. But it's kind of fascinating to watch. And you see the, the reaction with um, Randy Orton and Nia Jax and that Royal Rumble a few years ago. Like, wrestling fans want to see it. And you talk, you hear the girls talk about it on podcasts. Like they want to do it as well. They want to get involved. So it's an interesting one. Um, I'm, I'm not sure it's a missed opportunity. I'm not, and I'm not sure WWE will do it. So I think you, you can, but that's a very interesting one, Jack. 
are you telling me that if Becky Lynch came out and her first program back was with Roman Reigns, you wouldn't watch, you wouldn't be intrigued, you wouldn't I watch. Oh, yeah, I would because it's not like anything I've ever seen before. Yeah, and she doesn't, they don't have to deliver the match. They don't have to do it. But give me a month of promos of Becky goading Roman Reigns because we fantasy booked who's the one that can take down Roman Reigns. Well, no one can take down Roman Reigns. But Becky on the mic with the crowd behind her, I firmly believe is one of the very, very select people who could get in his face and the fans would be behind. And it sounds crazy, but I think... It could happen and i i want to see it happen i'm disappointed it's not going to happen so uh, uh if you've got a crazier one than that for next week when we continue some missed opportunity bookings uh, do get in touch you know the ways charlie underscore beckett jack underscore Murley, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com by the way thank you to everyone who downloads us and listens each week the best way to tell people about what we do on this show is word of mouth so if you're a wrestling fan uh tell a mate don't hide in the wrestling closet be loud and proud about the fact you're a wrestling fan tell a mate share the love on social media and don't go anywhere because in a minute something is going back to developmental and something is earning the push final part of the show is where we shine a spotlight on things in everyday life that we love and loathe the things we love get pushed to the moons the things we hate get sent back to developmental uh we've done all sorts on this charlie show tunes bad driving bad sat navs uh inconsiderate neighbors what do you want to do this week do you want to go first or second uh i'm gonna go second this week because i am pulling no punches my back developmental oh okay i'm i'm going at something someone quite big oh someone quite big it's not gonna get sued is it Mm, i don't know i don't think they'll listen all right okay well if you don't hear any more from charlie in this show you'll know i've had to cut it out for legal reasons uh earning the push for me this week only connect the best quiz show on TV. If you've not watched it, if you're an international listener, it is hard to explain. It is half an hour of pure geekery, spotting patterns, sequences, linking things together. If you like quizzes and you've not seen it yet, you need to watch because you will get addicted. Charlie's nodding on the Zoom call here. You you know it's, only I know, I know it. It's too much for me, though. I get excited. I get my plan is to get one right in University Challenge. So only connect is too much. They'll say things. They'll be like, oh, yes, of course. So obvious that that's the link. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? It's like watching it. In, I, I don't know if I accidentally have Japanese on instead and I'm watching it in the wrong language. But I'm like, you're not speaking English. So I know exactly what it is. And I want to like it. It's just too much for me. I love it. And my day job and who I work for in my day job means I'm not allowed to go on it. I'm prohibited from going on. And it really, really pains me because I would love to get a team together to go on. I think it's fantastic. So earning the push is only connect. And for me, going back to developmental are small yappy dogs. Yeah. Now, yeah. If, if you have a small yappy dog, God love you. No problem with it. Dogs are dogs. They will bark. If your small yappy dog sees another small yappy dog and they are small yappy dogs at each other, one of you needs to walk away and stop it happening because the sound goes right through me and it is terrible. Yeah, it's not good. I don't like small yappy dogs. We have small dogs at home. We have a Jack Russell and we have hilariously a sausage dog mixed with... What's he What's he mixed with? I want, he's not mixed with Chihuahua. I can't remember what he's mixed with now, but he's mixed with someone else. Oh, with a Shih Tzu. He's mixed with a Shih Tzu. It's hilarious. He's called a Sweeney. He's the funniest looking <laughs> thing in the world. And I did not sign off on just getting him at home. But thankfully, they're not yappy. 
They're not yappy, thankfully. And the push for me is Team GB. Uh, we got our second best medal haul, I think, ever. I think I saw a joint with London. It's such a tough time, isn't it, to be an Olympian? Because you dream of this, you want to go to the Olympics, and you dream of having the fans and your family there, and they've just had to have the weirdest Olympic experience, and it can't have been easy being away from home. And they performed brilliantly. Just all of Team GB, whether they medaled or not, everyone who went there has earned the push. I think they've been brilliant, and the last 16 days being able to watch the Olympics, I've loved. So that is what's earning the push from me. Okay, and I'm braced for legal action. Who is going back to developmental? Taylor Swift. Now tell me why, because this might be fair comment. I quite like a lot of Taylor Swift's songs, and it's nothing to do with her personally, but there is one song, I don't know if you'll know it, called You Belong With Me. Okay? I don't know it. Tell me more. Okay, so You Belong With Me is about Taylor, who is in love with this other guy, this, this, this guy, they're in high school, and they're next door neighbours. And the video is iconic because on the video, how they talk is rather than texting or, I don't know, talking to each other like human beings, they write on flip charts and hold it up to the window to each other. Like, that, yeah. that's how they talk. And they both have one that says, I love you, that they don't show each other until prom at the end when they show each other. And they do belong because he's got another girlfriend who is a bit of a, is not very nice to him. And that's why he belongs with her. All fine. Great song. Now, what you've got to remember from that is they're next door neighbours. Okay. That is very important in this conversation. There is a line in the song where Taylor says this. I remember you driving to my house in the middle of the night. <laughs> they, they talk with flip charts. That is how close their windows are. They can see each other. By the time he had got out of his house, reversed his car off his drive, gone left and put it onto Taylor Swift's drive, he could have walked quicker. It makes no sense, that lyric. None at all. And for that reason, Taylor Swift needs to go back to developmental. I remember you driving to my house in the middle of the night. No, he didn't, you liar. And now I don't believe anything you say. Well, the best rants for back to developmental are always your music-based rants. I remember when you took Andrew Lloyd Webber to task and Tim Rice for his, uh, his musicals as well and Joseph and such. Do you know what? That's fine. I'm with you because she, if they're communicating that way, he can't ever have lived somewhere else. It's, you know, we've had climate change reports this week. We need to be driving less. I am with you. That can definitely go back to developmental. How much time do you spend in your life thinking about that? Too much. This comes yeah. up quite often with people. Too much. They're like, Charlie, shut up. Too much. It lives. I hate this saying. I hate it. It does live in my head rent free. Charlie, we're going to bring this one home. Uh, we're building towards uh, AW Rampage. The first one will be on on Friday. When we meet next time, it will have happened. Will there be another big CM Punk tease on Rampage? Yeah, there has to be. You've got to get, get them excited about the new show. And are we going to get John Cena and Roman Reigns finally starting to get physical on the build to SummerSlam? Or do we want them to not touch until they square off in the main event of that pay-per-view? I want them not to touch. I just think there's so much more to come from the war of words. They might get physical, they might, but I don't think they need to. I think you can leave them. We've only got one more SmackDown to fill, haven't we, before it happens. So I would just leave them. Um, yeah, I would leave them just verbally sparring. 
verbally sparring. It's what we do every week on this podcast. If you enjoy it, tell a mate, please. We do this show because we love wrestling and we know you do as well. Don't hide it. Don't be shy about it. Be loud and proud in your wrestling fandom. Uh, share the love on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Rate and review us wherever you get your pods from. Subscribe so you never need miss an episode. They drop fresh every Thursday for your UK time. Uh, and on behalf of Charlie and myself, thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week. Thank you.